Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, glad you're all here. Uh, this is a good day to, for us to be together. Maybe you're joining in with us uh, online somewhere. So thank you just for being a part of our, our whole community. I have to, before I get too far in, I've got to apologize for this um, ill-fitting sweater. Um, you know, I got dressed in the dark and then I get over here and I'm going, why is it so short? I feel like Fred Merce in a I Love Lucy episode and I getting eaten by my own trousers. And it, I didn't purchase it this way. It just is getting shorter and shorter. I'm convinced somebody came in and snipped out like four inches and then sewed it back together without me noticing. And until now I get in front of you and now I notice and I look like a stork or something. And so it's just really weird. You look at me, but I think I've figured it out. And some of you guys might be able to relate a little bit. I think I figured it out because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm getting uh, bulkier in this region. And uh, the clothing math is that the bulkier you get this way, when it pulls stuff out, it also pulls it up. And so it isn't growing shorter. I'm just getting bigger. You think I look skinny, but I'm just, I'm hiding that right there. And so that's just kind of lifting up the whole deal. And so apologies. Uh, ahead of time has nothing to do with where we're headed today. It's just confession. Um, I, I gave up a long time ago um, feeling like anything uh, that, that was clothing or outward appearance was going to be worth putting my, my hope in. And uh, this, this season where we're talking about hope in this Advent season... Uh, th- this is a moment in church history where uh, we, we kind of gear up and we are hopeful and expectant about Christmas that's coming. And Christmas is the time, obviously, where we uh, look back and remember where God showed up in the flesh in the person of Jesus, where uh, he came close and uh, became like one of us. And that was such a a, a promise that people centuries and centuries before he even came were expectant and hopeful for. Uh, The scriptures in the Old Testament, God had been telling people time and time again for centuries that he was going to send a savior, send a Messiah, that if, if for no other reason, that should bring some sort of hope. Now, there would be a 400-year period of silence between the Old and the New Testament that would be uh, challenging to be hopeful. Uh, you ever had those seasons where it just seems like God goes silent? And those times are, are really, really difficult. Have you ever put your hope in uh, circumstances? Ever put your hope in people? Ever put your hope in uh, yourself? I think that is kind of the default condition for most of us is uh, left to kind of our own devices. We will put our hope in uh, people and our hope in circumstances. The problem with that is normal. It's natural that uh, when circumstances are good, then you've got reason to be hopeful. But when circumstances are not so good, then what happens? Hope goes out the window with it. Uh, When people treat you poorly over a long period of time, then it's it's easy to feel hopeless. 
in those situations. Uh, when people are treating you great, then in those particular moments, you're like, okay, I feel pretty hopeful right now. So does hope come and go uh, with the roller coaster of circumstances and the roller coaster of people? Well, yes. If your hope and my hope is in circumstances or in people, then uh, I can guarantee you one thing. Uh, People and circumstances will always let you down. And that's why God desires to be the object of our hope rather than circumstances or people. And at least in my life, I have used either people or circumstances kind of to prop me up. And uh, those are difficult moments when people let me down or circumstances let me down because what happens when you pull out things that have been propping you up? You fall over. And yet maybe that's part of God's plan just to go... (laughs) Guys, people and circumstances were never meant to be your ultimate support system or your ultimate hope. And so sometimes he allows us the removal of those props so that we come to see the only real source of hope and joy and peace is God himself. I want to introduce you to this friend of mine named Arcadian. This is Arcadian. Um, this is years ago, uh, maybe nine, ten years ago. Arcadian's 13 years old here. And uh, Arcadian had quite the roller coaster of uh, circumstances. More uh, bad than good. It gave plenty of reason for him to kind of lose hope. Uh, he had family situations that were more uh, bad than good. More, more situations to... Uh, destroy hope or kill hope than to build it up. His dad, not in the picture. Uh, as a young guy, uh, he's living with his single mom and two little sisters. Um, and he's holding the family together in so many ways. Uh, even at that age, um, he would, would go out on competitions to dance and he would win. And when he would win, he would come back and he would give the check to his mom because the four of them were living in a 500 square foot studio apartment in Orlando, Florida and having trouble kind of making ends meet. And as that wouldn't be tough enough, then imagine coming to discover that you are uh, good at dancing as a boy in late elementary, early junior high. That's not usually put you on the popular status. And so he had to face bullying and all sorts of things. No dad in the picture, taking care of the family, making sure mom's okay. Yes, I have this particular uh, gift, but more circumstances and people letting him down than, than uh, helping him along. They had a religious background, but not necessarily a Christian background. So there was no uh, God is the object of our hope in any way, shape, or form being spoken into their, their family. Now, ridiculously long story that I'm not going to get into here about how God orchestrated things uh, that us living in Los Angeles would get connected with this poor family in Orlando. But I will tell you that it is only something that God could orchestrate. We found out about the need 
and uh, gave a call. We're trying to find them housing out in that area. And uh, so we finally, uh, we kind of build a relationship with the mom and, and then talked to Arcadian a little bit over the phone, come to discover that he had uh, just made it to the finals of America's uh, Got Talent uh, dancing when he was 13. And his story was told and he did such a phenomenal job that uh, he ended up getting flown out to be on uh, the Ellen Show in Los Angeles. And as a result of him performing on the Ellen Show, then he got an agent. And, uh, and so it seemed like, okay, circumstances going back up. Maybe the uh, good people will come into my life. And uh, now I've got a reason to hope again. Um, but any of you that are remotely familiar with that business, he goes right back to Orlando and uh, he's almost won America's Got Talent. He's been on the Ellen Show and he's still going back and they can't uh, feed themselves. They can't find a place to live. I mean, just really tough. Well, pilot season, when they shoot the pilots out in Hollywood for new television shows, they open up a huge amount of auditions for new shows that are trying to make their way to television. And it's a big time to come out and do auditions. His uh, agent wanted him to come to California to go through a series of these auditions. And we were just minutes away from where all that took place. And so uh, we were able to, to fly him uh, out. Uh, Arcadian and his mom stayed with Anna and our family for a couple of weeks. And uh, he went out on these auditions. And we just tried to love that family, to live out the, the gospel, and to, to share the gospel. Now, I will tell you that my heart's desire was that there was going to be, uh, you know, the gospel shared in some way, shape, or form, and then a radical reception of it and a 180. And it, it really wasn't that. Super appreciative, loved the family, loved that kid. Um, it, was, it was a great time. But he received uh, Jesus about this much. And uh, it's been messier than that. Over the last uh, 10 years, we've kept in touch. We talk you know, every month or so. And uh, it's continued to be the roller coaster. And it's hard to watch that. You have friends that you love, got family members that you love, and to watch that roller coaster of them misplace their hope in the wrong things. And yet, what do you do? I mean, I was there. You were there at some point. Um, so you just keep going. I just keep praying that even for myself, Ron, Ron, I, I, I really want you to know me the God of the universe as the source of all hope. I, I can sense him speaking that over me. And I, I wish I could have caught that like 35 years ago, <laughs> but I'm slow. And uh, he just keeps being patient. He keeps working on me. Uh, he's got hope for me when I don't. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Romans. We're talking about hope for a few weeks. Go to chapter 15 and look at this amazing verse 13, Romans 15, 13. Paul, writing this letter to the believers in Rome, he's fleshing out what the Christian life really looks like for several chapters by this point. And then he says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, that's a hopeful verse, right? Uh, You get the theme. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In other words, uh, the God of hope wants to fill you with hope. Okay, I know that's not rocket science, but that's the truth. Uh, The God of hope wants to fill you up with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope, God by definition, is the God of all hope. Just as much as God is love, God is also hope. He is the God of hope. He's not the God of despair. He's not the God of hopelessness. He is the God of hope. And he wants to fill us with hope. And it turns out that joy and peace come along for the ride with hope. That's a nice package deal. You want and you need hope. He gives you hope. And along with it, he also gives you joy and he also gives you peace. How many of you could use a little extra dose today or this month or uh, before the year wraps up of some hope or some joy or some peace? I could certainly. Do you know that it's God's desire that stems from his very nature to fill you with hope and fill you with joy and fill you with peace. That's what he desires. How do you do that? How do you get that sort of joy? How do you get more of that peace? How do you get more of that hope? You just grit your teeth? Do you just decide to? No, it tells us right here. Paul says that that, that it comes as you trust in him. That the God of all hope brings hope and joy in peace in more abundance to you as what? As you trust him. Rather than trusting circumstances, rather than trusting people, Rather than trusting material possessions, rather than trusting yourself, we learn what it is to trust God. And as that interaction takes place, a byproduct is hope and joy and peace grow in us. But you know as well as I do that... um, It's very difficult to trust someone who you don't know very well. If I don't know you, even if I'm trusting by nature, which I will tell you, I am. But if I don't know you very well, it's more difficult for me to really trust you. I mean, really lean into you. But the more that I interact with someone who is trustworthy, the more I get to know them see how they operate, see who they really are, then that increases my capacity to trust them. And when it pertains to God, this is what happens. God has given us tremendous means to get to know him. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. 
He's given us his people so that we can get to know him. We don't have to have just blind trust. He wants you to get to know him better than you do now. And to know God really, really well, I'm convinced, is to trust him. Why? Because he's got centuries, uh, millennia of really good track record. A couple of verses right before this. Um, Verse four. Paul says this. uh, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Uh, See, when, when you need to get to know God better... The beauty of it is, is that God has made himself accessible through an amazing biblical account over centuries of what he's like and how he operates. And when he shows up to people who trust him, how that pans out. That's all right here. If you don't know God very well, it's not a secret. He wants to be known and and we can get to know him and how he operates and what he's like. And for, for centuries now, he has been speaking of a hope that he wants people to have. And it's not a hope in themselves. It's not a hope in circumstances. It's, it's not a hope in other people. It's a hope in him. And Paul, what he does is, is he, he continues talking about this hope that's for all people, Jewish people and non-Jewish people, Gentiles. And this hope that was there for all people didn't just get brought up in the New Testament. God was speaking hope to all people, even in the Old Testament, There's hope that God has desired his people to have across the planet for centuries and centuries and centuries. And so what Paul does, he says, okay, we're we're here now writing this letter to the the Romans. It's going to end up in the New Testament. But he's going to pull from scriptures that he's referencing here in the Old Testament If you skip down to verse nine, go to verse nine, about halfway through. And Paul pulls here in Romans 15, verse nine through 12. He said, hey, the scriptures, all that was written in the past is an amazing biblical track record that you can get to know what God's like better so you can trust him more so that you can have more hope. And I'll prove it to you, he says, by pulling some scriptures that show that God's had your hope in mind for a really long time. And so he's going to quote from Psalm 18. He's going to quote from Deuteronomy chapter 32, Psalm 117, and then Isaiah 11. He's going to go back to all these Old Testament scriptures that show that the hope has been for all people. This is the way God has always been and always will be. And in that you can hope. And so he says it. Therefore, 
Uh, I will praise you among the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. I will sing the praises of your name. Psalm 18. Again, it says in uh, Deuteronomy 32, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And in uh, Psalm 117, uh, again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah in chapter 11 says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. God has always proven to be trustworthy. There is a biblical account that he has laid out for all the world to see. There are extra biblical documents outside the Bible that verify the accounts in scripture for all the world to see. There is a personal testimony that many of you have to when you got to know God better and it awakened something in your heart that was dead before. That there was hope brought to a particular situation that honestly there was really no reason circumstantially for you to have hope. But because your hope isn't in the circumstances, the people or yourself, you went, man, this is a whole different ballgame. It's not always easy, but it's possible. Paul's making the case this hope, this hopeful God has always been at work and continuing to be at work. And he wants you to be filled with that sort of hope when you shift from placing the object of your hope in the wrong places. I love what he says right here in Isaiah. The root of Jesse will spring up. The family of Jesse, which is the family line of David that leads to Jesus. Way back in the Old Testament, they're pointing to the Jesus, the Messiah, the rescue, the Savior who was going to come that in Isaiah's day had not yet come, but by Paul's day had already come. And so he's connecting the dots and just saying, I know, because there was a big gap between Old and New Testament, 400 years of silence. We get circumstantially why that would be difficult to have hope. But, but you cling to God in those moments. Those moments where uh, hope starts to wane, I think what God's doing is going, where is your hope placed? It's natural for us to place our hope in these other things, but it's not healthy. And there's nothing like going through a rough patch or multiple rough patches for God to bring to the surface and have you begin to question, gosh, where is my hope? Who or what am I trusting? And which you flip that around. If you are one that maybe, you know, I don't believe in God or I'm not there yet or whatever. That's, that's totally fine for now. Uh, we're praying for you. We love you. Glad you're here. Um, but he, here's the other side of that question. If, if you uh, reject uh, getting to know God or trusting God, you've got to come around your answer to then who or what are you going to trust? 
And you've just got to be able to out loud just say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and trust myself. Or I'm going to trust this worldview. Or I'm going to trust this uh, uh, scientific explanation for this, that, or the other thing. Okay? And then go do the hard work. But don't just ditch one and not go pursue the truth. But you can go. You can go get to know God better and better. You can ask tough questions of the Bible, of Jesus, of Christianity. You can go do the hard work. You can go ask yourself the question to find out, is, is he trustworthy? Now, I will tell you this. If Jesus had not come already, uh, it would be hard to trust that when he says he's coming again. I don't know. That would be tough. But 2,000 years ago, he came. Just as for a couple thousand years before, he had been saying he would. Then he did come. So now, yes, this is a long period where we're kind of waiting around. But I can still have hope because I know that this life isn't all that there is. I know that uh, he who promised is faithful. I know the character and track record of God. And he's the one I'm trusting in on some days more than others. I will be honest. But I love this. The root of Jesse will spring up. Man. Did Jesus ever spring up? He sprung up, all right. He sprung up in a manger when a whole bunch of people weren't paying attention and were asleep. Some 33 years later, he sprung up from a tomb, conquering sin and conquering death. And he's alive and well, interceding for us on our behalf, right now, as we speak, alive and well. I can hope in that. I can hope in him. I just got to get to know him better than I do now. Do you know God's not done? God's not done. And, and thank God for that. God's not done. God wasn't done back then. There was still more to come, right? Jesus was coming still. And then Jesus even came and did his thing. Ascends back to heaven. I mean, all of that. And then God's going, I'm still not done yet. Any time that God's not done could be an opportunity for hope rather than despair. Just because there's a sense or reality, you know what, God's not quite done, it doesn't mean that uh, the whole world needs to fall apart. It just means that there's more going on. God's not done in you. He's not done in me. God's not done in uh, our church. God's not done in our community. God is not done in the world. Do you know how patient he is? You like that he's patient with you. You just don't like that he's being patient with everybody else. <laughs> that he's being patient with his plans. Because he's being real patient. We know that his slowness is not slowness, as some understand slowness, but it's patience. He's being patient with us. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Okay, thank God for his patience. God's not done with my friend Arcadian yet either. 
Um, now he's not 13, he's 23, and uh, he's a company with the uh, Orlando Ballet. And uh, just this last season, just a couple months ago, he made it into uh, So You Think You Can Dance. But then the Orlando Ballet would not let him out of his contract, even though he made it, so he didn't get to. But that's okay. I mean, it's all part of the, the journey. Um, this is Arcadian jumping, by the way. I did that once, and I didn't get out of bed till like <laughs> noon. It was painful. Um, you think John's pants are tight. That's a... Uh, um, <laughs> You know what? This, I love this kid, and, and he's received this much of Jesus in the last 10 years now, this much of Jesus. Um, but God's not done with him yet either. Um, when we talk and continue, just keep praying too. Um, and then, uh, um, Cool news, December 23rd and 24th here at our Christmas thing, Arcadian's coming out to do dance for the performances in here. And so here's the thing, though. And I know, I mean, this is online, so he could watch this. And I love you, Ark, so it's all good. Um, But uh, I hope that it's a blessing to the church, seeing the creativity that God puts in people, I mean, in that fashion. It's just very very special, but I'm also hoping and praying that he experiences the God of hope and joy and peace that overflows through all y'all while he's here over the Christmas weekend. And uh, that's why the God of hope likes to fill us up to overflowing so that we can bring that hope to other people. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church and that that's their heart's desire. We're going to take communion this morning. And uh, if you're part of the usher team that's uh, serving communion, and you can head forward now and begin to pass the elements. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian, um, then this communion time really isn't for you. It really wouldn't have much meaning for you. So we just ask that you let these elements uh, go by. Um, The rest of you, though, this is a really special, important time. As a tray goes by, you'll pull out from one little uh, cylinder there uh, two cups. The bottom one has the bread. The top one has the drink. And we're going to ask that you just hold on to the elements. And we'll take those together here in just a moment. But we want to give you the opportunity just to spend some time with the Lord. You may need to confess some things. You may need to just invite the Lord to examine your own heart and your own life. You might just pray and ask, ask him, hey, I want to know you better than I do right now. And that'd be, some of you might be brand new followers of Jesus. Just talk to him about that. Others of you, you might have been walking with him for a really long time, but we've all got room to get to know God better than we do now. 
But what you're holding in your hands here are symbols. Symbols of Christ's body and blood that was broken and that was shed for you. And as you uh, hold those elements, you're holding these symbols of the love of God, the track record of God, and the hope of God. Spend some time on your own, just in quietness. Hang on to those elements and we'll take them together in just a few minutes. Father, uh, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you that you are unchanging that you are faithful. I thank you that you always do what you say you're going to do. Father, forgive me for the times where I have put my hope and trust in people or in circumstances. But thank you that you're patient with me Your grace is still there for me, even in those times. Father, I think sometimes I I have given up or lost hope even in you because you weren't changing my circumstances the way that I was asking for you to. I think about it, it's probably just another indicator my hope was still in my circumstances and not in you and so continue to show me what you're like give us all a spark to know you more and better than we do before that we might trust you more that as we trust you more than anyone or anything else you would build a hope and a joy and a peace in us that is unfazed by others or circumstances. We thank you for these tangible symbols of hope, the body and blood of Jesus that remembers his sacrifice for us and an actual moment in history that made a way for us to even be able to get to know you. Thank you. We can hope in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he prayed and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, this bread is my body which has been broken for you. Whenever you eat it, remember me. Same way after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. And so, Father, we just pause our hearts before you before we head our separate ways today. We ask you that you would just infuse in us a hope like we've never experienced before, a peace like we've never experienced before, and a joy like we've never experienced before. 
Thank you, God, for loving us. It's made all the difference. Use us however you see fit to keep loving people the way that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.